0: And I might have switched that and reversed it with Kay Connor Riley. He is from Dog Nation. All right, the big question as we move forward towards now the combine is who's going for the dogs, Connor? Who's going to be there? And more importantly, who do you think needs to really show out? Like, Because some of these guys are projected first-rounders already. Who needs to go and really do something special?
1: Yeah, so Georgia had 12 players invited to the Combine today. Uh, that is the second most in college football. Only Alabama has more with 13. Uh, I, I think you know, Stetson Bennett's an obvious one, and, and it's not even so much that he needs to go there. You know, because quarterback's so rarely wow at that event. I'll be interested in seeing what he runs and obviously what he measures in that as well. His hand size, I think, is going to, I actually think, maybe help Stetson Bennett a little bit because he mm-hmm. does have a decent-sized hand in and, and that has been somewhat predictive of how quarterbacks end up doing. While he's not going to measure the biggest, I, I do think he might measure bigger than I think some people expect. He is closer to six feet than he is not. Uh, as far as the guys, there are three, in my opinion, that need to test well slash do well. One of them, we're not certain if he's going to be able to test. That's Nolan Smith. Uh, you know, He's still coming back from his pectoral injury. Last I had checked in on it, there's the thought that maybe in April he might be able to fully run and test and be fully clear and ready to go to show teams what he can do because there is some thought that he might be a first-round pick given all that he meant to Georgia in the variety of ways that he can do things. Now He's not a, a pure pass rusher, but he's an outside linebacker that can do a lot of things for you. The other two guys are Darnell Washington and Keeley Ringo. I mean, Washington, one, just to get the actual measurements on him and see how well he tests. If he tests well, I think there's a chance he ends up sneaking into the back half of the first round there. Mm. And then with Ringo, look, there have been a lot of questions on him. A lot of draft people didn't love the tape that he put out this past year. But if he goes out there and runs a 4-3-5, and importantly for him, I think tests really well in the short shuttle, some of those short area quickness drills, mm. it's going to be impossible for a team not to draft him based on his
0: tools. And so if
1: Washington – Keeley Ringo and Nolan Smith are able to test well, I think they're really gonna be able to help themselves and cement themselves right. as first round picks. I know Nicobe Dean, everybody wanted him, but the size and the pectoral issue kind of pushed him in. Again, we haven't really seen him yet because the Eagles lineup is stacked. He hasn't had a chance to crack the lineup, but Nolan Smith will project higher. And then I know we've debated this because of the it's moving on the flat the flat feet and moving the hips is always the argument about Keeley from the, the so called experts. You don't think he'd ever take a shot at playing free safety or you say he's gonna be a corner in the league? I think he wants to try to be a corner in the league. Corners just get paid more than safeties. They also get drafted higher than safeties. And and so there's more of a value there. But I I think one of the things that sort of gets lost in Keely Ringo, like, yeah, he's not a perfect cornerback. He did not, you know, if you're looking for hype, like he's not the slam dunk, Darrell Revis, Richard Sherman is prime type cornerback. But he did a lot of really good things for Georgia this past year. And if you go back and watch that game against Ohio State, I know Marvin Harrison had a really big game that day, not all of that was on Keely Ringo. And Keeley made some plays in that game. Yes he did give one of the touchdowns, but not all of the stuff that you saw this past season was on Keeley. And, and look, you know, I got knowing him a little bit, knowing his journey. This is a guy with his character I feel very comfortable you know, betting on, believing that this guy's going to figure out how to be a really talented cornerback at the next level. I think the option to move him to safety is there. But, look, Kirby Smart knows a hell of a lot more about defensive backs than I do, than he does about, and he knows more about defensive backs than a lot of people do. If this guy thought that Keeley could be a better free safety, he absolutely would have moved him there and played him there. But he felt very confident and comfortable sticking him out there at corner in the last two seasons where Georgia happened to win national championships.
0: It's Connor Riley joining us from Dog Nation, guys. Dukes and Bell Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. And we'll get back into our discussion about what our Hawks are doing. We're a day away from the trade deadline. Also, Falcon reports straight ahead and more on LeBron breaking the all-time scoring record. Connor, um, a couple of things from Josh Brooks. One, are the dogs going to the White House? And two, what did you make of him saying that he does not think necessarily policy needs to be changed after the tragic accident that happened that took the lives of uh, you know two, two young people. And a lot of people said, do they need to change the policy? Am I hearing him right? He said that, right? He doesn't believe that that was the reason or that, that it doesn't need to be adjusted?
1: Yeah, they're still
0: reviewing some of the
1: policies that they have in place with this. We got a chance to talk with him yesterday after the athletic board meeting. And, and one of the things that he had stressed was that rental car that they were driving was supposed to be returned. It had not been. Uh, the usage of that vehicle, especially at that time of night, was unauthorized for university policy there. And the investigation into that is obviously still ongoing as they try to, again, you know, piece everything together that led to the unfortunate accident that took the lives of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix there. As far as the White House visit, uh, they are still trying to sort that out and, and figure out when that might potentially happen. Josh Brooks is unaware of when that might come together. Uh, one thing I will note, one, this has the, the college football championship team, has not gone to the White House since uh, 2020 pre-pandemic, essentially. And the last couple of teams that did go to the White House went almost immediately after their national championships. And, and that kind of makes sense when you consider you know, guys going off the party and getting ready for the NFL draft and going into classes and things like that. At Georgia, you know, obviously, uh, the tragic passing of LaCore and Willis, I think, played into part of that, not happening as quickly as it did after the fact. And so, you know, getting the right people and getting everyone there to be recognized is going to be a little tough to pull off in terms of the logistical challenges of getting people there to the White House. But I should note as well, people want to see it. I do think that there is bipartisan. I know there's bipartisan support on both sides of the aisle to get Georgia to the White House there. And I do think Georgia would be open to having. Uh, the opportunity to go meet with President Biden, have that showcase and be there. I just, you know, Kirby Smart also really values recruiting and I don't think he's necessarily going to want to give up a recruiting weekend to go do that on a weekend, uh, obviously. Hey, man, the big question we've been talking about the last couple of weeks because he's still linked to the Ravens. Second interview, do you know anything about Todd Munkin? I know you guys had an article that came out in Dog Nation saying they'll make him the highest, if he's not already the highest, make him the higher highest paid assistant. Talk about Todd Munkin. Yeah, he's already the highest-paid offensive coordinator in the sport, at least among public schools, you know, obviously private schools. Uh, they're not privy to sharing how much they are paying their coaches, but money is not going to be an issue uh, in terms of Georgia keeping Todd Munkin. Uh, he has interviewed twice with the Ravens, I believe. I know he's at least interviewed once and may have interviewed a second time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. My read on this, I don't think he wants the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. I think he sees, obviously, the Ravens job is a lot more attractive because you either have Lamar Jackson going forward. Or you've traded him and essentially get back a bushel of picks one of which you would think would be used to develop a future quarterback there but i know the ravens are still very much trying to interview and get a lot of names out there they're waiting on eric the enemy who i believe adam checker reported today is a very intriguing candidate for both the washington commanders uh, offensive coordinator job and the baltimore ravens offensive coordinator job uh and, and it's worth pointing out here as well that there are still two head coach openings in the arizona cardinals and the indianapolis colts and if those guys happen to go defense and they're looking for an offensive play caller. I still think Todd Munkin would be an attractive option there. And, and so Georgia, again, you know, if I had to guess, I don't think he takes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. It sounds like he's not the Ravens first choice to be their offensive coordinator. Hmm. And so if, what's today, the eighth, on February 8th, if I had to guess right now with the way things are going, I'd probably lean that Todd Munkin isn't back going to be back for Georgia next year as the offensive coordinator. Cool
0: nothing's happened um we've just been kind of speculating about it and yeah when, with no movement it makes me feel like he probably is going to be back i want to ask you about the scheduling in texas and oklahoma they were trying to get out of their deals uh and it's it looks like it's not going to happen but um i know this is something else that you were talking with josh brooks about yeah so
1: Texas and Oklahoma are trying to work out a deal with the the Big 12 right now in terms of potentially getting out. Reports coming out of that are that that's not looking like it's going to happen. And the real reason why, or the big reason why, is because Fox, when they did the TV contract with the Big 12, they did it in mind thinking that Texas and Oklahoma were going to be a big part of it. They are obviously the biggest draws of the Big 12. That is ultimately why they're leaving to go join the SEC. I don't think that... The, that Fox right now is thrilled about the possibility of losing the inventory of Texas and Oklahoma games, especially to ESPN, uh, when those games would become SEC. And obviously, Fox doesn't get to broadcast any of those going forward, as those are the as the SEC will be exclusively on ESPN starting in 2024. So it sounds like, especially as we get closer and closer to it, it, it sounds like Oklahoma and Texas won't end up joining the league until 2025. And once it is sort of finalized, when Texas and Oklahoma will join the league. From there, the SEC will make full decisions on what the football schedule looks like. If I had to take a guess right now, I would still probably say that we're looking at a nine-game schedule model, where it is three permanent rivals for Georgia that would most likely be Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina, and then a rotation of the six other teams. That way, every two years, you're playing every member in the league, and then every four years, you're at least visiting every school in your conference. For example... Georgia and Texas A&M still have not played each other, despite Texas A&M joining the league back in 2012. And I, when I say they haven't played each other, Georgia has not played at Texas A&M, right. and it's still not scheduled to do so until 2024. Now, Jeez. with Texas and Oklahoma not joining the league yet, mm. I think that game does get played at Texas A&M in 2024, but it, it still it, it proves I think, the ineffectiveness of the previous scheduling model for the SEC.
0: Connor? If Jalen Carter is the number one pick off the board, that would be back-to-back years, right, that the Dogs have had the number one pick in the draft? That would be correct. Has that ever happened? Uh,
1: I believe Oklahoma did it in 2017 with Baker Mayfield and then Tyler Murray the next year, or 2018 NFL Draft and 2019 NFL Draft with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray.
0: Okay. I'm just curious because that is what the Dogs are doing, yeah. back-to-back years potentially. Hey, great job as always. Tell the people where they can follow you. Yep, you guys can follow me
1: on Twitter at Riley, Even though it is the offseason, we'll have plenty of stuff on Munkin as that continues to develop, as well as looking ahead to next year when Georgia goes for a three-peat, something I would point out that LeBron James never did at the NBA
0: level. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) All right, Connor, take care, man. We appreciate it.